0: What's next to the club? (laughs) Championship. Promotion. (laughs) So, just enjoy the moments. Enjoy what we've just done. like, We've just written history. (laughs) It was against all odds that we we weren't going to do it and we've just done it. So, everyone deserves a pass on the back because the hard work that goes into everything
1: it's behind the scenes it's staff it's players it's everyone backroom staff everyone that was for everyone that go hello and welcome to on and off the pitch we are back for a special uh, uh, unfortunately but we are back uh, i'm Rodney Cyrus and i'm in the house with Paul W radio paul uh, the title says it Coventry United ladies but before we jump into that how are you
0: paul not too not too bad at all uh, never boring, being involved with Coventry United Ladies, even as in the tangential role that I've got. So, yeah, it's it's been a weird week because all of this stuff, all of this stuff coming out. I was, I was having people like who I know, fans who I know, who are saying, oh, we've heard people saying this is happening at Coventry. And I'm kind of sat there going, well, I can ask the people I know. Um, So I did a bit of digging and they were like, no, we haven't heard anything. Mm. And then obviously the announcement last night and people have, it's got reaction that obviously we'll talk about from players and all of that sort of thing. And it's yeah. just another twist in the tale of the red and greens, and it's, you know,
1: yeah. Do you know what I I I thought back to what it was like last at the in this time last year. There was so much news on social media, Twitter. Coventry were announcing players. There was like a hide and seek. There was a kiss and tell. You know, there was intrigue. Bands were like, what? what who are they signing next? What's going to happen? you know they're building something really really strong and you know in terms of a brand they were putting that together and everyone looked at the players that they brought on board and thought wow this team is going to challenge this team is going to compete you know but then the season starts and the results themselves tell a different story and the conversation that we're having today is not the conversation that we kind of took place Mm -hmm. took part in together in december where it, you know we were kind of angry and emotional and you know the news was just terrible because of it being Christmas and it was bad timing and this is we're measured because I'm looking at this and it, it there are there are two ways to look at this. It, it's a bittersweet, but it's not what you expected.
0: Yeah, it's 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 weird because I was—I've been wondering because it was—it's been very silent this summer, and you know, you start to wonder um, when you're not when you're not hearing anything from anybody. And obviously, um, for those who may not know, uh, my connection with Coventry United is covering them for um, local radio station, traveling with the team, and I like to think I've built up a decent relationship uh, with them. And certainly, during last season, became um, decently close with the team. Well, as, clo- as close as you can get when you're a media person. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say, you know, I wouldn't claim to be friends with the players or anything like that, or know um, them socially. But in terms of a, prof- a professional relationship, I travelled on the team bus with them, so I saw kind of a lot of candid moments and saw what that team did and what it built and I think and I I was very you'd have have seen and as we've seen I was very vocal on social media and I said to you you know this team if any team is going to do the impossible this team is and just the belief kept building and building and the worst thing I think about this summer is that that seems to have now taken two steps back through no fault of any of the players or indeed any of the management staff because, you know, just after the end of the season, Joe Potter left and you can't blame her because she has taken up a position at Birmingham, which is, you know, if you like her club, she's a legend there. Jade leaving was a huge surprise. um And... I still don't know I still don't know the reasons behind that. I've I've had I've had people say oh you know this this is what we've been told second or third hand but that's not my story to tell um so Jay obviously took that decision which I don't know I don't know about you but that that set something tingling a bit because I was like after, after what they had done for Jay and Joe to walk away, that's I started to worry a bit about the season, but I wasn't massively worried because of all the rhetoric and all the talk around things. And now this has happened. I mean, even all the stuff I was getting out of the club was hard work was being done behind the scenes for the new season mm. as a pro. And then uh, last night the announcement came out and I'm told that the person, like the media person there kind of basically got given that announcement 10 minutes before he didn't know either. Mm. So, and then speaking with Emma Sanders, who was talking about it, she, she very kindly got in touch with me on Twitter after the news broke. And I kind of said, it said like the rumors were true. She, she said she'd been in contact with the club for a week. Right. Previously. And I'll freely admit, I'll freely admit there was a slight bit of professional ego there because, obviously, you know, me being on the ground here, I well, know I'm only a little local radio station and not with perhaps the reach of a lot of women's soccer journalists. But the fact that nobody said anything to me about it, but apparently national journalists knew the story and were all over it and whatever else makes me wonder where the leaks were coming from within the club, especially as that club was very tight knit, both players and staff. And also very reserved, not reserved reserved is the wrong thing, but obviously they, they're very, you know, close knit and families deal with, you know, you know, our families deal with business internally and, don't reveal stuff and all of that sort of thing. That that was kind of the vibe with Coventry. Like they, they talk amongst themselves and things would be said, but it would always be said with the understanding, yeah, this is people talk, this is us talking, this isn't, you know, what happens in the changing room stays in the changing room, what happens on the coach stays on the coach, you know, all of that sort of stuff, which happens with a lot of football teams. And so for, for this to come out and it to apparently... Be fairly common knowledge. This was happening in football. Surprised me a bit. Hmm. You,
1: you know, I, it's really it's really easy for us as 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 followers of of the women's game to start to put together a jigsaw puzzle that doesn't exist with the pieces. Because when Jay left, obviously we're talking about a surprise considering the way the season ended. It was a roller coaster. The team were on the up, the comments that we played at the beginning, Molly talking about, you know, the team being together, there was a sense that, you know, they were, they'd were they rallied, they'd come together as a group, they'd been through the worst. And then for Jay to go, and then this news, obviously, uh, in the last 24 hours about them going from being a professional team to part time, I almost wonder if that was one of the reasons why Jay moved on knowing that the club was shifting in that direction and she didn't want to be a part of it? Or was there something bigger? Because you're only left with questions. Now if, you know, mainstream journalists had an inkling of what was going on or or some information as to what was happening and they were told that they couldn't say anything and totally understand. But, you know, you've been with the girls on the journey as well and you've seen them kind of grow over the games, over the months, getting the results, bonding. When it got to that point where they, they survived relegation, which is a really big emotional hill to get over because you're, you're literally fighting for everything. You, you know, you fought everything, the opposition media writing you off. You 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 pick up sticks from where you're you originally live. You go and live in another place. You sign. You try and settle, and you try and get that togetherness going. And you you finally get to a point we think we have arrived, and then it goes back to being, or your position goes back to being a part time. A part time professional, which is, for a lot of those players, they can be full time because I you know the quality in in the team is is immense, you know. Today on on social media is you know Coventry mentioned something about Molly Green. Yeah, she's, uh, she's gone. And I checked her Twitter account; there was no mention from her. I've just now looked on Coventry United late, and it says that they can confirm that Katie Rouson has left the assistant manager. That was four hours ago.
0: This is this is what I mean. These are these are people. It's. It sounds dramatic to say the heart is being ripped out of the team because, you know, football is a business of change. And one of the things I personally, as a fan who is also, you know, a journalist covering them, has had to remind myself over and over again, both this um, summer and indeed during the run, is you can't – it's difficult – not to get emotionally involved with that Coventry team. It was incredibly difficult not to get emotionally involved, especially when you saw how hard they worked and how good they are as people. Mm. Um, and how much time they had for me personally, you know, and accepted effectively an outsider coming into bits because I was I was very conscious that, you know, journalists traveling on a team burst and seeing players away from the chain room doesn't really happen, except if they've got an embedded documentary crew rhythm. You know, there's it, it makes a big thing about it. And so I always felt immensely privileged for that. And seeing that seeing Katie Wilkinson's statement on Twitter this morning mm. um about how this had affected her love for the game. Yeah. That, that that was a real shocker. And I have no doubt, and indeed from people talking to me, I have no doubt that she is not the only player who will be feeling like that. Because, you know, they, they've put their heart and soul into this. And they put their heart and soul into professional stuff. Achieve something amazing, and I have no doubt from their perspective, it'll almost feel like a kick in the teeth back to oh, yeah, you're back, you're up, you're back to only part time and uncertainness. And these some of these players have left good jobs, uh, for example, Katie Morris left being a teacher, um, up where she's from in Wigan to come down and play full time. Mm. Um, Nat Johnson was still working a bit in her other job. I remember interviewing her and asking her, because I, I just happened to overhear that she was going into work um, in her job at a hospital the day before playing Arsenal in the FA Cup court final. So, you know, as a journalist, that's your dream to ask that question and go... How do you? And they were still doing that while they were nominally professional, but now being basically told, right, okay, you're only you can only play as part-time players. Hmm. Well, I can't, I can't imagine the effect that that would have on them.
1: I, 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 well, let, let's just say that in terms of the news that's happened today, I think I've just checked again. I mean, Katie's tweet has been deleted, so she's probably thought again about how she's feeling about the club. And when you write things on Twitter, it's in the moment, it's emotional. Uh, you you share with everyone what's going on in your heart in terms of the love of the game. And it would be very easy for, for a player like Katie to say that she's not sure if she still is in love with the game because of, of the emotional roller coaster that the players have had to go through playing for Coventry. Now, you know, I would have I would have staked any kind of a money. I would, I would have put a million pounds if I had it. Maybe not a million, maybe half a million. Um, on them doing really well next season, you know, because i was said that the bond was there, they've overcome the worst. Uh, the realities are that this level of uncertainty, no real management structure in place, players unhappy with the news, one player leaving, but nothing on their Twitter account saying that they're moving on to another team. As a, as a fan and, and, and as an outsider looking in, in terms of the, the game growing, you are already concerned. I'm concerned and thinking, well, is this going to be part two of what we saw last season from the players where they, where they weren't settled? They weren't on sure ground. And what will that mean for them going forward across the season and other teams that are probably thinking, you know, we just about got away with it last year, being above Watford and Coventry. They will look at this and think, right, one, who can we cherry pick from this team? Because there are players there, you know that any anyone that finished in the top four or five have aspirations to get into the WSL. You know, London City Lionesses, Crystal Palace, Charlton, Durham. You know, they're looking and thinking, right? We can get some of those quality players.
0: I mean, the main the main one is Birmingham because, of course, a lot of, a lot of the Coventry players are Midlands based anyway, and Birmingham City. Um, would seem to be the obvious cherry pick. Molly Green is a former Birmingham City player. Yeah. Uh, Leicester City as well Mm -hmm. might well have an eye on things. And the thing thing that is ominous and the thing that means that Lewis Taylor and whoever he has working with him now has a lot of work to do is we're already starting to see teams talk about day one of pre-season. I think I saw um, Beth Rowe from Charlton talk about it. Of yeah, um yeah. they're back in preseason already. And the opening fixture is the twentieth, 21st of August, which basically means they've got to be build a team from scratch, effectively, in six weeks. Which you know it's been done, but with with that being the part time model it's it's going to take a heck of a sales job now and i i have no doubt that lewis, lewis taylor has plans he's spoke he's spoken about plans and in the statement it's very much this is a step a step back to take a step forward mm-hmm. and there's there's talk of um companies saying they might be involved with sponsorship or whatever else, and then deciding against it. There's talk of, and part of me wonders whether almost if if this had happened, would this have happened at all next season, particularly with Women's Euros 2022 coming up? You know, if the Lionesses do well, which we're all hoping they do, then, then that provides the boost, but up until then, there's the uncertainty and with the season planning, Lewis has clearly looked at the budget and said, "Right, okay, if we go full time, we've just been in the same position we were in, in last December, this December." So it's it's a sh- it's a business decision. But the trouble with business decisions like that is you can justify it in a business decision, but we're seeing the emotional effect on people.
1: Yeah. Do you know what, it is a business decision and I can get it. I said it was bittersweet, you know, because it's not as if they were like, you know, the, the club is still going to be there. There's going to be some transition in terms of the players getting or finding alternative employment to, to balance up their finances. If it's only going to be part-time, the thing that's, that stands out for me, which is kind of almost like the, 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 the monument in the room is that the, you, you know, media knew what was happening before the players. That's That's, the thing that stands out.
0: That's what appears happened anyway. Again,
1: this is only and and, and you
0: kind of told by people and what people are saying, but
1: well it, it, it kind of initially with the tweets that went out from you know some of the players, you'd think, Okay, what what is this? Is this another is this Christmas part two, but not as severe? And you mentioned about the Euros and Lioness is doing well and the momentum and fans, you know, I posed the question a few weeks ago, what are the, 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 the championship clubs, the women championship clubs going to do or the WSO clubs going to do to promote their game based on the, on the euros, not, not to just wait for the success of the lionesses, but to see how they can tap in. Now I, I'm going to be honest, the way that things have kind of unfolded for Coventry doesn't look as if it's trying to build on what's going on around the country. It's very, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't. And I understand the business model of them trying to take a step back to make sure that there's long-term stability going forward. But if that's the decision that they've taken, then I think that, that, that fans, and we were part of a discussion, Paul, not too long ago about away-ins and fans needing to, the reality is that some uh, the football, that, that part of football is not ready yet. And I said that at the time, this conversation is almost like two or three years away. Some clubs are still trying to work out whether they're part-time or professional, and if they go professional and they realize that the finances aren't there, or they're not getting the revenue in and they're not getting the sponsorship in and they don't have the fan base, then they're going to have to revert back to a model where they are. Comfortably sustainable going forward. And that's the I mean, reality.
0: I mean, it interests me because I had a look, mainly out of curiosity, and I've said, I've said this to you, but I had to look at London City Lionesses. Now, they their owners are basically um, the husband of the chairwoman is very heavily involved in IT and cryptocurrency and runs a, um, from what I can gather based on company's health, a, very, a pretty successful company, um, mm-hmm. which based again, purely on the accounts on company's health, seems to be, have a lot more capital in it than, or a lot more available capital, if you like, than um, Lewis Taylor may have. Uh, but again, again, I don't know. Finances and stuff like that. This is based purely on looking on companies else and trying to work out about owners. But the key thing, you're talking about sustainability. London City are basically a rich person's plaything. And if the crypto crash happens, then I, I genuinely keep looking at them and thinking they are another Coventry waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting this summer that we've seen Coventry do this. And I I wonder whether this is the first indication almost of the change in landscape of women's football where we like we said, you have you'll have to be affiliated with a professional men's team just to be able to run and keep the budget going. Mm. And I think and I think that that worries me for the game. That worries me for the championship because that worries me for teams like Coventry, for teams like Lewis, um, who don't have that backing. Where where they will go and where the game will go?
1: Yeah, I mean, you pose some really good questions, and I think who's um, thought about it will probably think they are they are they're not easy questions to answer. But, you know, you you mentioned London City Lionesses and, and the finances that they have. Every club, every club, it doesn't matter whether they're in the Women's Championship, WSL, Premier League, La Liga, you name it. Everyone wants a rich owner. And it doesn't matter about the number of fans that they have that come through the turnstile. Depending on the success of the club in terms of their history, most of the wages are not financed by the gate figures. They're not financed by... the 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 fans that go into the state it's, it's sponsorship. It's who the club does business with. And you know, at this moment in time, the women's game is trying to build its brand it's trying to be sustainable and Coventry, the decision is to go, to go take a step back or two steps back to ensure their survival. And, And this is why I said it was a bittersweet because the players will not like it because they were sold a very different dream. They were sold something which was professional, full-time, aspirations of being a WSL club. That was what was sold initially. But since that moment, things have changed on the pitch in terms of results, but also ownership, um, their experiences in terms of being nearly relegated and surviving. Losing management within weeks of being, you know, the end of the season, and then now this, and, and only a few weeks away before the 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 the, the fixtures are announced. Actually, before what, the fixtures are announced, because they're announced mid July. What
0: you know, worried me the most is whether people whether players will want to come and play for Coventry. Because know, I, I would say yes, I would say yes. I think I think that I think that there are there there are good things to coming and playing in Coventry. Like we've got one of the best stadiums in the championship uh, in the Butts Park Arena. Um, obviously, the city being the city of culture, it's not the prettiest city in the world, but it's a city that you know loves its football and has people who are passionate about it and will take. Um, players and the team to heart. And I think that will only accelerate with the women's Euros. But it, it just worries me that twice in six months what most people will see as negative stories associated with Coventry United mm-hmm. might have a lot of players think, is there is there a shadow on that club? Is there, you know, if I start the season there, am I going to finish it?
1: You, you talk about players, okay, let, let's jump jump to the top seat, right? Jay, no longer there. The same question you pose about players, you actually, you could put to anyone who wants to take on the job as a manager. You don't know who, I, I'm, I'm just thinking, who would you want to take over? And I know that's putting it on you, Paul, because we've not, I, I said, this was going to be a free-flowing conversation. We talked a lot about the
0: players, in but t- the, in terms of in terms of realistically, or in terms yeah, realistically, of of the yeah. well, because you can do both. Yeah, because to be honest, uh, the, there was there was no thought in my mind of wanting anybody else than Jay and Joe yeah, and yeah. Katie and that team in there because of because of what they, of how important they were to that team and how the players responded to them. When Jay left, there was brief, there was brief, very brief mention of Karen Carney and Willie Kirk. And they were like, you know, those are dream names. Those are, those are WSL names. Those are names that could attract players all over the place now honestly I, I look at I look around at the people available and I wo- I worry it's going to be a WNL manager stepping up which and that's, and it's a big step up from the WNL to the championship and I think a lot of the W the women's national League managers who I would instantly think of, who were relatively local and who are part-time, like for example Dan McNamara at Wolves, who's done amazing things there. He's committed to Wolves, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, he would be, he would be at this point the dream if he could be tempted across from Wolves, because I think with Coventry now being part-time again, I think he brings several Wolves players over with him, um, several of whom have played for Coventry before in the Championship, like Beth Merrick. Um, there is Carly De- and then of course you have names like Carly Davis who have just left Aston Villa, where she was assistant manager, and might fancy a crack at the top job. Mm. But I think I think that's the level Coventry will be looking at now. People, you know, managers who might be have been assistant coaches and wanting to make the step up or WNL managers who are part-time managers anyway.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And Uh, that, that, that worries me a bit because given the, given the level of the championship and given the recruitment of some of the players, I mean, there's, there's, things being thrown around like Southampton have got a million pound budget for their play, for their playing staff, you know, cause they're, they're basically wanting to go bang WSL, mm-hmm. um, Coventry are going to be nowhere near that level. Lewis are going to be nowhere near that level, potentially some of the pro, some of the pro affiliated teams are going to be nowhere near that level. It worries me that this, that this happening with Coventry is another example, far be it from the champ from the women's game getting stronger of it, almost splitting into a two tier championship. And that's that I don't think is good for the game, particularly with the roadblock at WNL level and the FA still only having one team coming up because it means that if only one team can go down from the championship, that's great because again, it means there's less chance of Coventry going, going down. But it also means that there will still be that gap in the championship. The the teams at lower level, like Wolves, like Ipswich, who are putting all the money in, Mm. being roadblocked at that level, and that's not helping anybody. It's not allowing teams to find their level. And it's, it's weird if this... I have no doubt this would have happened if Coventry had been relegated anyway because of budgets and everything else. But for it to happen after that, after the great escape, just feels like all that momentum is somehow being wasted, and it's it hurts. And I have no doubt it hurts the players, and I have no doubt to some degree it will hurt Lewis as well, that the harsh economic reality of things has led to this happening. But it does make for another interesting season next season, which I suppose suppose from a journalistic (laughs) perspective, you know, everybody will be keeping an eye and going, oh, how does that, how does the, how do they bounce back again against the odds?
1: I mean, I'm going to take a quick look at the the league table from last season and, 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 you know, Coventry, 12 points, escape relegation by a point. And just above them is Blackburn, Sunderland, Lewis, Sheffield United, then Durham. And then you get into the top five. You You've got Charlton, Crystal Palace, Bristol City, London City Lionesses, and everyone knows that Liverpool are now WSL, uh, a WSL team.
0: Uh, I mean, technically, I'll give. I'm. I'm I always one. I'll. i insist on giving giving us giving Coventry their due. They got twenty two points. Yeah. The, well, the scoreboard said twelve. Yeah, <laughs> ten point deduction doesn't help. Ten
1: point deduction, but you know the 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 reality is is that there are a number of players in different teams. You know, Crystal Palace have lost a few players. London City Lionesses have lost a few players, top top quality players, and they will be looking for clubs in the Championship, possibly WSL. Who knows? I know that most managers would have watched. Katie Wilkinson when she was at Sheffield United and at Coventry and seen a top quality striker and be thinking, I wonder if we can prize her away. I wonder if we can get her away because, you know, in the championship, you you need a focal point, you know, and um, Katie Wilkinson does offer that very intelligent on the ball, uses it well, uses her body well to kind of hold of players and has an eye for goal and
0: knows how to score goals. She's also an incredible leader as well. She was. I don't. I don't think people give her enough credit for that great escape. I certainly her teammates do, but just the way you know the way seeing the way she interacted with the rest of the team and how she set the tone when getting Mm -hmm. off the coach and how she set the tone for the mood and everything. That is, if she leaves Coventry, that's what they will lose even more than the goals. Yeah, yeah they'll yeah. lose that that um, yeah. talisman because that's what it, she is. I, I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, the, any of the top four teams,
1: they needed to score more goals to challenge. I know London City, Linus, Crystal Palace, they needed more goals up front, and they will be looking. You know, that any team will be thinking, what can we do? And I'm not trying to move players away from Coventry, but the realities are that you can only taste that kind of bitterness for so long on a repeated cycle before you think, I can't do it anymore. You know, that's, And that's what
0: worries me. That's yeah, what and, worries and, me. We and it's not that... The next of weeks we'll see. And
1: it's not that she's, you know, when she said earlier in her tweet, which is no longer there, that, you know, she might have lost her love for, her love for the game. It might be her love... For the current situation, you know, because when you love football, you like you're a long time retired. <laughs> you know, you yeah. you can't play football anymore. You just you can say, Oh, I'm not sure. You will watch it, but when you're playing, you want to play and you want to do your best at all times. And there are some really good players in that team who are probably thinking what do we do now? Where do I go now? How how am I going to to move forward? You know peacefully in an emotionally balanced way that that will make me able to provide the best kind of football within the club that I'm currently at and you you can only taste so much bitterness and again I say you know we're we're grasping at straws a little bit when I said the media might have known a little bit before the players which again is a repeat of what happened at Christmas which was a terrible time and I call it bad news Friday today is Friday you just don't give
0: bad news. People, hello? Don't give bad news on a Friday. Don't Any over the
1: manager knows you don't give bad news
0: to of your co- team Because all they week. do
1: is dwell on it for the weekend. And also, for the that's weekend.
0: thing on the day most, most players' contracts in women's football and indeed men's football end on the 30th of June. It's the 1st of July is when people move as well. So... And I think this was this. I think Katie addressed it in a tweet and basically said, you know, all of the players are now free agents. Which, on the one hand, is on the one hand is good for them, but on the other hand, yeah. we're close, we're close to preseason now, and a lot of teams may have, even if they haven't announced it, certainly in the championship, might have finalized their rosters now. Yeah.
1: Yeah well to be honest I don't even know if they would have finalised their rosters I think players are still on the move I think players are still negotiating because there are certain players that have left clubs that I didn't think would leave and there's been no news of them arriving at another team yet and all of that needs to take place I'm, I'm hopeful that things do not go the same way as they did last season for Coventry it would be a shame for them to have that kind of experience again but the, the question will be out there straight away who's going to be relegated you know because that conversation comes around very quickly um, I do hope that Coventry are in that conversation whatever their professional status because they need they need to have a different kind of experience going
0: forward um, to, be, to be honest I think I think if the players stayed and they were in and they were in the relegation conversation that as Anna Wilcox has said, that's fuel, their mentality. They're very much a team who last season used it as fuel. Yeah. And I remember, and I remember them, I remember their attitude. One thing that, one thing that struck me so much was, um, on the way down to Watford, well, not even on the way down to Watford after the win against Lewis, um, conversation moved forward to Watford and I was sat with Jay and I was sat with the coaching staff and I think I said the classic thing they 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 mentioned something about how I've heard Watford are already talking with the women's national league just in case they do get relegated and I think I asked the question like do you not think is that not just something and their response to that was no we'll do that we're not even think we're not even preparing for that we're not even allowing. Mm. We're not even allow allowing ourselves to consider that. If 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 the result doesn't go, and I think that's what led to Molly Green's free kick because I think the fe- the feeling there. I you know I I fully admit I started to give up when Gra- when Grace Figler's had hit the post. I think I said on commentary that could have been the moment, you know, and then the time just kept ticking and they kept going forward and then suddenly Molly Green placed the ball and I looked and went she's going to hit this and I th- and on commentary I said Molly Green looks like she's going to hit this and then that happened and just it almost it almost seemed like pure that it almost seemed like the commentary team willed that into the net and and that's What worries me is that that belief has now been shaken by this. You know, that Mm -hmm. strength of belief, which was Coventry's greatest asset, has now been shaken by this. And players will be wanting to seek other opportunities as they are more than entitled to. And, you know, none of those players will ever be forgotten in Coventry if they leave. But I think there's there's players on that team who are emotionally connected to Coventry now because of that. And I think that's what I think that that's why we saw Katie Wilkinson's reaction Mm. as it was. And that's why we might see other players react like that because I haven't seen, I've been I've been around several championship sports teams in Coventry seven professional sports teams like ice hockey and stuff like that, teams that have won championships. And I haven't seen that level of emotional connection to Coventry that these girls had none of whom were actually from Coventry except for one of them. And I think it just worries me that all of that has now been shaken and if 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 struggles do happen going forward that will be the worst one because and that that's the job that the coventry united hierarchy and lewis taylor now has to to rebuild that because and i think and i think he knows that he's a savvy businessman i think he knows that and i have no doubt that he'll be trying to do that and i have no doubt that he has a plan as a successful businessman but i think at the moment we're at the you know the painful stage of change yeah. we could be yeah. sitting here. we could be sitting here in january with coventry top of the league against all the odds going what on earth is going on is there some sort of is there something in the water in coventry but like you said the good news about this is this is a lot more measured my and this conversation i'm i'm a lot more measured about it and i'm like right okay where do what what does this mean rather than how could this have happened this is terrible this is like right okay i'm not as emotionally shattered by it as i was and that sounds like a terrible thing to say but it's it's still painful seeing players and knowing that they may well be as emotionally shattered as that the empathy is there. And having gone through that, even as a very tangential person with them. Yeah. And it, and you know, I as a, as a fan, as a journalist, I'm very interested. And in, as a journalist, I'm looking at it going, right. Okay. What is the storyline going to be for this season? As a fan, I'm a bit twitchy. Yeah. And it's separating those two things, which is the hardest thing to do, I think, perhaps.
1: Um, well, I, I mean, you've said a number of things which are, 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 I believe is uh, are key. The emotional connection, considering the result and the goal from Molly. I, I, I believe that that emotional connection went beyond Coventry. I, there were a lot of fans in, in the Women's Championship that that felt that goal emotionally, what it meant to the players and to the club. And, you know, to, to be there live, you know, sitting along just along from you is a feeling that you'll never lose. You never lose that feeling because it's, it's not just a, an, an emotion, it's a memory. And sometimes memories aren't necessarily attached to an emotion. It's like a meal or, a, you know, a film. But the emotional connection to what happened is, is very real or was very real at the time, and is very real now. So I, I agree with you. It's not a rant we're having. It is a conversation, and it is measured. Um, and there are options for the players where they weren't before. There are options. Um, there are options in terms of who could be the next manager, or a return of manager. You know, I don't know. You just you can say a number of things, because we, we don't know at this moment in time. What I do hope for, is that Coventry are not shaken to the core that they disappear. I do hope and believe that they have the the resilience and the will to succeed, even if it's only 5 points, 10 points more than they did previously, because it's about survival now. There there has to be a realistic approach to next season, considering what, what everyone's talking about in the last 24, 48 hours. In terms of the player or the player and the management team that have gone. So there has to be a, a realistic approach. And then I think back to what it was a year ago when everyone was so eager and keen to see what was going to happen for Coventry because they were bringing in all of these players and everyone was excited. It, it has to be measured now. It has to be that we've had the roller coaster ride, we've taken the flight of the butterfly. It has to be slow and steady. And it, it, you know, seeing it on Twitter and reading it, the, the statement, you think, well, painful, but OK, we'll see what happens next. And, and I have no doubt that, that the fans of the women game will still want Coventry to be around, and they'll still be pulling for them, even though they're not their team. I am, because I'm, I'm interested to make sure that there are teams in the, in the championship that are competitive and Coventry are competitive you know you don't want it you see you don't want a two-tier league you want it to be competitive and if if you watch the championship long enough you know that on any given day doesn't matter who you are you can get beat <laughs> and that's what and that's the selling point of the league and I, I do hope that Coventry are able to to be a part of that that selling brand that the championship have the women championship have that they're part so. of.
0: I think the key thing now, like you say, is it needs to be measured, but I think there needs to be something tangible. seen. I think that if I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure Lewis, and I'm sure the ownership know this, but, and, and, and it's interesting again, from people saying, you know, there was potentially other investors involved who then for whatever reason, didn't happen. Um, and, you know, it It annoys me as a Coventry person because you may, you may or may not be aware of the current saga going on with um, Wasp Rugby Club here, um, who moved up from London to the Coventry City Stadium, have various financial issues and bonds that they haven't paid. And there was, there's been local politics and sports reporters here digging and found out that the local council may have tried to use their influence to help wasps get funding from local government. And that has, you know, wasps weren't welcome in many people's eyes here anyway. But I think that coming six months after the Coventry United saga, I think is really, yeah, it certainly annoyed me as a local. it's annoyed a lot of Coventians and I, and I think I think the best thing the council could do if they wanted a quick PR win would be to help out uh, Coventry United in some way if the Sky blues wanted a quick PR win, although again we have the issue there where the commercial director there has said that Coventry City have no legal or moral obligation to fund a women's team. And that's the attitude that. (sighs) uh, This is what I mean. That's the the attitude that you get on the ground up here in Coventry, and it it surprised me that this comment kind of went by, and didn't get picked up by more people. But this is this is the attitude of the men's club here. So, I,
1: I try not to be political, Paul. But unfortunately, everyone is political in football, even though they say politics and sport should not be in the same bed. Um there is a mindset which is sweeping this globe about the way women are treated in a many, in many different areas of life, which has become common. And some are being, there are certain individuals who are feeling emboldened about saying certain things out loud and they feel comfortable about it. So to hear what you just said, I am not surprised. Hmm. I am not surprised at all.
0: Um, I, I, I wasn't as well. And the chief executive has said, In order for Coventry to be able to afford a Coventry City to be able to afford a women's team, they need to be in the Premier League, which is patently false. But well, okay, listen, you know what? That's a different discussion. You know
1: what? I I want to give you the last word because I want it to be about what you think going forward and the hopes for the Coventry United players. Because uh, it's it's right that you do have the last word.
0: Um. I hope, and I've I've said this on Twitter, I hope that a way can be found for as much of that team as possible to stay in Coventry because of what they've built. And they deserve they deserve to be given the chance to progress. And they deserve they deserve to be, you know, in an ideal situation, they deserve to be told, right, okay, you'll play one season as part-time, and then the money come in, whether that be from a local business person here, whether it be from a lottery winner, and then then be told, to, even during the season, right, okay, we are part-time status, but you're being paid full-time wages, which you know has been done and can be done, and I have no doubt probably was being done at WNL level, where players were training two or three times a week but being paid more than perhaps some clubs get full at full time level. And I just I just think it would be tragic to see last season wasted or be a high or be the high point of the Coventry United story. Because there is so much more to give here. There are people here involved with the team who bleed red and green, and who have put so much work in at great personal sacrifice to themselves, and may con- may continue to do so. Obviously, that's I honestly wouldn't blame them if they didn't. But you know, the they deserve. Coventry United, after what they've been through, deserve to come out of the dark side and, you know, back into the sun. And it feels like right now they've gone back. They're back in the shadows. The shadows are lengthening again. And that's, that's probably not a nice feel for Lewis as an owner. It's probably not a nice feel for anyone. And like you say, the championship needs competitive clubs and Coventry is a city of three hundred thousand people. So it's a big city and it deserves it deserves to have the girls and women of this city being given the chance to watch people like them just as much as the men's team. And I hope and I hope that this is just another bump on the road towards that.
1: Paul, I'm gonna say thank you. You know, it's it's um it's nice hearing you talk about the the, the Commentary United ladies. It is definitely um I think everyone wants Commentary United to, to come through, really and truthfully. And and then we need to see some positive news before the start of the season and throughout the rest of the season. Uh, Paul, thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Rodney. Pleasure. No thank worries.
1: Uh, thank you everyone Uh, you can follow uh, on Twitter at On and Off the PIT1 this is On and Off the Pitch a sporting podcast and we were talking about Coventry United ladies until next time laters